Good evening, everybody. This is Evan Young coming at you with The Boxing Forecast. We have another weekend of boxing upon us, and I'd like to go over some of that. But before I do, I will go over some of last week's action, which I talked about on my last uh, podcast. Now, one of the main one of the main fights last week was uh, Dillian White versus Alexander Povetkin. I I mentioned that I had backed Povetkin the first time. Kind of got a bit lucky in a way, but I thought Povetkin kept himself in the fight and had a foothold in uh, at most times of the fight. Even when he was dropped, he was throwing back very hard punches, and he eventually uh, caught pay dirt and. Stopped him in the fifth round with a with an uppercut from hell. It was a great punch. And I was actually thinking about backing Pavekin again in the rematch. I figured uh, he could come at him with the same kind of uh, kind of uh, style, uh, counter-punching uh, through Dillian shots, which is what he was doing. He was throwing with him, basically, which is what allowed him to be dangerous throughout that fight. But... I knew a few things. I knew that Povetkin had contracted the coronavirus. uh, And I also knew that he had uh, suffered two hospital visits upon that. And my observation has been, this has been uh, a problem for athletes coming back from it. There's been several others that have had struggles with uh, returning uh, and not looking as good as they did. This is a respiratory illness, and it robs uh, it robs one of uh, ability to breathe very well. So, if you have lung problems, that's not the kind of issue you want to have as a boxer. And I also noticed Povetkin did not look good at the weigh-in. Uh, he gained a few pounds, but he looked very soft, uh, just chunky, doughy just did not look good it was as if they were just trotting him out there uh, to get this rematch done and with that I reversed my uh, my lean and went with uh, white uh, inside the distance which is uh, what he did Povetkin even still showed signs of being dangerous at a few points he was throwing with white And a couple of those right hands, if they caught White, could have been a big problem. But White is the faster guy, the quicker guy, the bigger guy. And he wasn't going to be denied this time. Although he did look a bit eager at times in the fight, throwing uh, crazy overhand rights early on, just trying to end this early before he could even let Povetkin get back in the fight. But he did settle down to a degree, landed the jab very well, which was able to set up other shots. And eventually he just uh, had a wounded duck in Povetkin and uh, got him out of there in the fourth round. Good win for White, so he moves on. Uh, Povetkin uh, has had a long career. Uh, He may want to consider other options at this point. That will be my suggestion. Now, there was a bunch of other uh, fights in the U.K. Well, on that Gibraltar card, but they were U.K. fights, essentially. And a bunch of upsets occurred. I didn't call for any of those. I really kind of just over overlooked them to a degree. Uh, 
and didn't dig into the study of them, but there were some upsets of note. Uh, there was uh, a Michael McKinson over a Chris Congo. McKinson's a good boxer with a very low knockout percentage, but that was a big upset. He was a 3-1 to one underdog. Uh, there was also Lennox Clark knocking out Willie Hutchinson, undefeated fighter. That was another upset. And then Nate Webb knocked out a visiting heavyweight that was a 3-1 to one favorite. So I missed all those, but fortunately I didn't, uh, I didn't do anything with those either. But one upset that I did tab uh, on the podcast was Tabisio Machunu over Olympic gold medalist Evgeny Tashenko. Now, I didn't give it a huge endorsement on the podcast, but I did say it's something I was going to uh, throw something on. And uh, upon further review, I did end up doing that. And uh, Machuno cashed as a 6-1 to one underdog. He was plus 600. Uh, I just was looking at tape of that uh, soon after I went on the air and noticed that uh, he is really a tough out. He's probably five foot eight, five foot nine, built like a rock. Uh, he has enough power to get respect. He's not a knockout artist by any means, but he is five foot eight and extremely slick. You don't really see that combination too much. Uh, he's a he's a slick boxer. He he out jabbed and outboxed uh, the six foot five of Janie Tashenko throughout the bout. I thought he won probably 10 rounds of that fight. It was just a rinse and repeat. There was really no way the judges uh, could have robbed uh, Machuno. I don't know why more people aren't talking about this. Machuno is a is a nasty fighter, and that was a big upset against a you know six foot five Olympic gold medalist that was uh, on the fast track for big things. So I was super impressed with that fight. Uh, sometimes you just got to look at all these possibilities because uh, sometimes if you, you know, you can't overlook things if you don't uh, look at every possibility. You have to overturn all the stones that are there. Uh, there are, they are out there. There are, there are gems under those stones if you turn them over. Sometimes you just have to uh, do a little digging sometimes, but they are there. But and congratulations to Machuno. I really like that guy. Uh, he's not an easy out for anybody. I can remember the first time I uh, I backed him when uh, Eddie Chambers, who was a small heavyweight, uh, slick guy with a good defensive style that did pretty well as a heavyweight, was making the big mistake of moving down to cruiserweight. And his first test was Machuno. Oh, that was a mistake. <laughs> Machuno picked him apart. Uh, you know, Chambers just couldn't figure out what was going on. But he would have been better off fighting the 260-pound uh, Sam Peters like he was rather than a guy like that. So he's a dangerous dude. Uh, he does have a couple of losses, but it's been a while. He did lose to uh, another excellent fighter named Junior Macabo, which he was ahead but got dropped. Macabo's also an undersized cruiserweight with uh, excellent power, skills, and reflexes. So two South African dudes are uh, are quite viable. Oh, he did also lose to Usek as well, Machuno did a few years back. 
and also gave him gave him fits as well up until when he was stopped. But Usyk uh, may be the top three cruiserweight, a top three cruiserweight that ever lived. So no disgrace there. All right, we move on to this weekend's fights, with the main fight being Jamel Herring and Carl Frampton. But I'll just go over a few of the other fights before I get to that. Now, there's two main cards that are uh, in play this weekend. Uh, one is from Uzbekistan, and the other is from Dubai, uh, featuring Herring and uh, Frampton. First, I'll do a quick glance at the Uzbekistan card. We have Morojin Akhmadiliev, uh, minus 800 versus Rosaki Awasa, plus 500. Akhmadoliev, you may remember, uh, had an excellent fight with uh, with Danny Roman. He won a split decision. Uh, he was the harder puncher, uh, but Roman proved ultra determined and uh, fought his ass off in that fight. Uh, it was very close. I think I backed Roman in that fight because he was an underdog, and I liked the uh, possibility on that. It was a close fight. Uh, Akhmad. Akhmadiliev was the stronger man, harder puncher, but Roman was was really gritty in that fight. Uh, landed a lot of body shots, just fought hard, and you know really hung in there well. Uh, Akhmadiliev is a quick study from Kazakhstan. He's eight and zero with six knockouts. Uh, his opponent's uh, you know solid fighter. I don't see an upset here though. I like uh, Akhmad. Deliov to prevail. Uh, it's a tough call between a KO and decision. The KO props minus 200. Decisions plus 300. Uh, it's a tough call on that. Uh, I don't know. I'd probably lean the stoppage. Uh, Awasa has been stopped uh, once or twice, I believe, but it, it won't be an easy out. I don't think it'll be an early stoppage, but I am going with the chalk on that and then there's a lot of other chalk on that uh, on that card Ismail Madridov versus Amami Colombo uh, both KO artists but uh, Madrimov is uh, much more accomplished uh, the KO prop is minus 350 I think he gets it the other guy's 14 and 0 with 14 knockouts but against uh, virtual nobody's uh, one of those guys that uh, step up and usually uh, get KO'd their first time they step up. So I'd, ex- I'd expect that again. And then we have Chakra Gayasov, minus 5,000 against Patrick Lopez Moreno. I expect him to get the KO, minus 400 there. And we have another prohibitive favorite, Bakadir Jalo. Jalo, Jalov, Jololov, 7-0, 7 KOs, 6 foot 7, minus uh, 10,000, huge favorite, KO props minus 1,600, no, uh, nothing there really worthwhile. As for the uh, Dubai cards, uh, some of the undercard fights are um, Tussaboy Kalahunt at minus 10,000 as well. Massive favorite. 
minus 1400 kale prop. I expect that to happen, but no value there. And you have uh, veteran Donnie Nietis, uh, Mr. Consistent at the lower weight divisions, a real old savvy veteran, not easy to get over on. He's fighting Pablo Carrillo, plus 600. Nietes is minus 1,000. I expected Nietes win. Uh, he could pound out a decision or he could get a stoppage here. Uh, it's KO props plus 150, decisions minus 145. Neither of those props excite me. I don't like to get pigeonholed with things like that because if he happens to uh, win the other way, then it's a loss. So it's not really uh, that exciting a play. And uh, there's one other, f- the co-main event on this is Tyrone McKenna versus Zankosh uh, Turanoff. Now, Turanoff's minus 450, McKenna's plus 325, but McKenna might have uh, have a bit of a shot. Uh, Irish fighter, solid practitioner, knows his way around the ring. He's fought some decent opponents. Uh if he wins, I would think it would be by decision. He has six knockouts and 20-plus wins. The decision plops, prop is plus 500. Might be worth a tiny tickle on that for McKenna. Uh, Turnoff is a strong guy, and he's coming down in the weight, so he's fought bigger men. He's fought in the one high 140s, 150, and this is a fight at 140. So he will be the bigger, stronger man. Uh, McKenna can, can fight. He has some ability. He could hang in there. Uh, the value is is on McKenna for this fight. Um, not an overwhelming endorsement, but at the at the right plus money, perhaps a small play. All right, so we'll get to the the fight of the weekend. It's not a huge weekend in terms of big fights, as you can see. Although we did have Tim Zhu down under uh, dismantle Dennis Hogan in five. I'm really liking how Tim Zhu. Is looking. He really fights like his father. The zippy punches, the fast hands, uppercuts, the movement. He's very relaxed in there. He's he's a taller version, heavier version, but uh, he's looking really sharp. Uh, Tim Zhu. He's going to have a a really fun ride. I expect really good things from him, and we will uh, see him in the in the near future again. I'm sure. I'm sure he'll stay busy. So. Uh, Good job for Tim Zhu. I'm sure I know many of you boxing people saw that uh, early morning uh, out of Australia. But anyway, back to Frampton and Herring. Now, this is virtually uh, a pick'em fight. There has been some steam that has come in on uh, Herring lately. Herring holds all the cards in terms of size. He's five foot ten. He's left-handed. Uh, very long arms, bigger man his whole career. He's fought, you know, over at lightweight as well, not just 130. Uh, much larger man in stature, of course, with um, Frampton at 5'5". Five, five. Uh, Herring is, uh, you know, posts pictures of himself. He's obviously as shredded as a man can be. I wonder if he's almost too lean. He's got veins in his abdomen region like most lean people have veins in their forearms. He's absolutely shredded. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure that that's a benefit to that degree because you do need, you do use fat as some energy. It does, it is an energy source. So he'll be, uh, he burns himself on glycogen, not as much fat because he doesn't have much to spare except for his vital organs. 
And he did come down with a case of COVID as well. And I don't think he looked all that great in his last two wins uh, against uh, Lamont Roach. He was badly hurt, but he uh, did enough early to win. And uh, against, uh, I can't recall the name, but against the rugged fringe journeyman, fringe contender journeyman out of Puerto Rico, he was winning, but got treated a little roughly, caught some headbutts and got a cut and decided to sit it out and go to the scorecards in the 10th round. Now, is, you know, for some people it seems to be a hard fight to call, but I'm kind of leaning uh, leaning Frampton on this fight. Um, Frampton was really a dynamic fighter as a 122-pounder. He split two fights with Leo Santa Cruz, who's a who's a uh, an elite operator. He's looked really good in some of those fights. He did lay an egg with Josh Warrington, who's a who's a complete workhorse, or uh, he was at that time, a guy that just never stops uh, moving his hands. And perhaps he had a lull at that time. Perhaps the weight was a bit much, making uh, 126. But he had a bad night, lost, regrouped, and he's had a uh, couple of fights since then at, at a higher weight. Where he stopped a U.S. Uh, prospect, uh, a McCrary out of Ohio. Virtual shutout, actually more than a shutout. 100 to 88 was the scores. And then he stopped a journeyman in the U.K. after that. But basically, in my, you know, I see speed here as a factor. Uh, I'm looking at Herring and solid jab, you know, straight one, two, keep the distance. That's how he's beating these guys. He's, you know, he's, but he hasn't really fought any real competent opposition. He's fought solid opposition, but not much lately that has tested him. His last fight against a short, rugged guy was a loss to Dennis Shafikov uh, at 130. I think it was 130. I'm not sure if it was 130 or 135, but he was stopped in the 10th and kind of dominated. Uh, obviously, he's got a great story. He's a He's a veteran of the U.S. Marines. Apparently, he lost a daughter, tragically. Uh, so he has fan support. He comes off as a solid guy. Um, so, likable guy. Uh, doing his business. They got him a title uh, fight against uh, uh, perhaps a vulnerable Japanese champion. He got that win, and he's had a few defenses, as I said. Like I said, he also had a bout with COVID in there. And post-COVID, I don't... In one of those fights, I think he might have had only one fight post-COVID. But he didn't look great. Uh, so, I just think Frampton looks good at this weight. I think he's holding it well. He's the more dynamic fighter. He's quicker. He'll slip under the shots. He goes to the body well. He's the harder puncher. Uh, and he's not... Uh, Herring's not the kind of guy that will overwhelm him with volume. I think... Uh, Frampton can find a way in. He's not going to just be standing on the outside waiting. He'll be using his quickness and his legs to get inside and and bang inside and use his faster hands inside. Uh, Herring just looks a little stale to me. I've watched him on the pads a little bit. He doesn't look overly uh, quick or flashy, or he, he looks a little predictable. And like, I just think uh, Frampton's the better guy, and if he holds the weight well, which I think he will, I think he's just uh, just a higher caliber fighter. 
So I am uh, going with Carl Frampton to pound out a win. Uh, I, actually, even a late stoppage wouldn't be a complete shock, and I think that's at a plus 450 price. But at least you can get him at virtually even money anyway. So Frampton is my play on this. I'm going to go with that. Uh, we'll see how it plays out. I haven't seen the weigh-in yet. Uh, the weigh-in will be tomorrow, but I'm just putting it out there for today. This is Thursday. Uh, but I'm looking forward to seeing the weigh-in in these fights. And I'm looking forward to next week. I think there's some uh, money on the table in some of these bouts next week that I will discuss. So... Until then, uh, enjoy the fights this weekend, and uh, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye, everybody.